Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 363 of the Juicebox podcast. Today's show is part four of the She's Having a Baby series. That's right. Samantha is back and she's no longer pregnant. As a matter of fact, Samantha's had her baby for a few months now. So we're here to talk about, I made a list here. Hold on. We are here to talk about having the baby, sleeping, diapers. I don't know if I mean Samantha's or the baby's, uh, the guilt about blood sugars during pregnancy. We talk about where babies pee. And I remember some stories about when my kids were little. We're going to find out how Samantha's lady bits snap back and what it was like having, you know, relations again. Everything right here in this episode. Let's get to it. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. Please go to contournext.com forward slash juice box to find out more. The show is also sponsored by Touched by Type 1. And you can find out all about Touched by Type 1 at touchedbytype1.org. Well, here we are at the end. Samantha has come on the show, talked about having a miscarriage, talked about getting pregnant again, explained what the first trimester was like, the second trimester, the third trimester, and now she's going to tell us what it's like to have a baby. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan, being bold with insulin, or pushing a baby through your hoo-ha. I'm well, but that's not going to be the question of the hour, is it? Who's well? If it's me, <laughs> we're going to find out how close to kooky you are after having a baby. <laughs> During a pandemic. Right. Exactly. I feel like we know each other. I actually was thinking last night, by the way, we're recording. Um, I've interviewed you more than anyone ever. I Maybe oh, Ke- Kevin Sayer well- than you, basically. And Jenny, and you Jenny. have well, her on. I don't consider that a, a an interview anymore. I just I Jenny and I are just talking. But you're right up there, that's for certain. Let me start by thanking you for giving four hours of your life over the last year to to do this. <laughs> of course. Have you gotten good feedback, Samantha, about this from people? Have you heard from anyone? I have, and that makes me feel like I'm helping at least one person. But a few a few people have just like said that it helped. And I've had a lot of people reach out that um, are planning on being pregnant or even are pregnant with just saying thank you and um, sometimes asking advice. That is very nice to hear. Also, because of the time we spent together, I said to Jenny recently, we should do a pro tip about pregnancy. And she's like, oh, that'd be great. So um, I think that led to this led to all that as well. Also, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, your episodes combined have been downloaded uh, many tens of thousands of times. So 
Um, well, that's cool. Yeah. So you're not just reaching the one person that reaches out. There's actually a, um, there's some sort of a, a study that shows that even though there are so many people on the internet, that makes you feel like everybody's on the internet. It's actually a very small percentage of people who can even bring themselves to speak out loud online to say anything, to even comment or any, it's a very small percentage of the population. So many, many more people want to hear things, read things, see things and never, never anybody, never should anyone know they were there. So, um, that's very nice. Excellent. Okay. So, uh, we're going to have to tell people that you are Samantha and you have been on the, she's having a baby episodes of the podcast. And I'm going to bring them up here so that I can tell people what episodes they have been. So what we did, what we did, what Samantha did, was got <laughs> knocked up. And then I, <laughs> on purpose, right? It's not like, it's not, not yeah. bad connotation. Um, and I reached out and said, would it be possible for you to come on uh, at the trimesters and then after you have your baby? So Samantha was on episode 259. Uh, right, right as her first trimester ended on episode two eighty five, as her second trimester ended, and at three ten, how close were you to having your baby? Um, that was in February, so I was like probably three weeks. Not, not long, so, as I remember. Yeah, right? we waited right till the end, and then I said, "Go ahead and you know be a mom for a while, and then come back on." So, when when was your son born? Um, he was born on March 6th. March 6th. And today is June 23rd. So I will go April, May, June. And, <laughs> and he's like three and a half, maybe months oldish, right around there. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. All right. Well, now we got to get to it, don't we? <laughs> so first, I want to know about the actual. First, tell me about the birth of your child, please. I want to know what it, what the experience was like. Well, I was supposed to be induced on the 16th of March. So I wasn't planning for him to come early, mm-hmm. but I was hoping for him not. I was hoping for him to stay in there just like a week longer because I wanted to get everything like wrapped up at work. So I was ready to be off. Okay. So I wasn't planning for him to come. I was having contractions like throughout the week like little contractions which are normal they're like the braxton hicks contractions Mm -hmm. that get your body ready to like do the real thing and so i've never had a baby before so i didn't know what real contractions felt like makes sense (laughs) so i was having contractions um on the fifth and they progressively got worse and they progressively got closer together and it was probably like midnight ish and I was sitting up in bed um and my husband was already sleeping and I was sitting there like counting how many like timing how many minutes between my contractions and it would be like four minutes in between to like eight minutes in between and I kept waking my husband up saying like I think you need to pack a hospital bag because I might be having like real contractions right but he was sleeping and I felt bad for waking him up. So he would like wake up and be like, Oh, what? And I'd be like, Oh, nothing. Go back to sleep. It's fine. Don't worry. (laughs) And then they started being consistently like four minutes in between. So that's when I woke him up and said, I think 
Like, I think you need to go pack the hospital bag. And so he got up and packed the hospital bag and I called the hospital, um, to let them know like what's going on. And the doctor that I spoke to on the phone, he was really nice. And he was talking to me and we were talking for like maybe a good 10 minutes about things. Cause I was like, I don't know if I should come in. I don't want to come in and you guys send me home. And he was saying that since we had been on the phone for so long, if I needed to come in right now, that I probably would have had to stop talking to him because the contractions would have been so bad. Okay. And I was like, okay, but like, you don't know my pain tolerance. Like maybe they're just not bad for me. And he was like, well, like just, that's not how it works. Yeah, pretty much. And I was like, okay, well you're the doctor. So I got off the phone with him. He's a doctor, Samantha, with a (laughs) rock solid uh, way of figuring out if you're having a baby by, if he talks to you long enough and you don't cringe. Yeah. <laughs> was he like and is I he like 100 know. years old or is he young? <laughs> no, he was actually he's, he like started the medical group for the hospital here gotcha. for for women. So older he, gentleman, I got. He's older mm-hmm. and a, and a guy also. So Never had a baby or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I didn't have a baby before, so I was like, okay, whatever. A lot I'm, of neophytes on the phone, honestly. You know, when I'm you really come to think about it. <laughs> yeah. So, I take a shower. Cause I'm like, cause he told me, he's like, you're probably going to like come in today, but you probably don't need to come in like right now. So I was like, okay. So, and it's like 2am by then. So I take a shower and we take the dogs for a walk because I'm like, I think maybe we like need to go soon mm-hmm. because I'm like, these contractions are like, they're pretty, like I could walk and I could function, but like they were uncomfortable. Yeah. So we took the dogs for a walk and on. And then we got back to the house and we got into the car and like we were sitting in the car and like multiple times we are planning on going back home because I felt really bad for leaving the dogs and I didn't want to leave them like earlier than I needed to. And I didn't want to show up at the hospital and then send me back home because I was like, that's just a waste of time. So we ended up driving to the hospital and then we were walking up into the emergency room because we had to go through the emergency room because by then it's like 4 a.m. And we almost turned back again because I just really didn't want, like, I didn't know. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to waste my time. And I'm like, maybe, like, I hear contractions are, like, really bad. So maybe I'm just being dramatic. I want to understand. You hear from, like, movies like she's having a baby (laughs) and other things like that? Or you, like, spoke to people who had babies? Well, well, yeah, like, movies. But then also, I know my... um, one of my best friend's sisters, when she had her baby, like the contractions were like terrible. Maybe she, she was, was just like, a lightweight. Maybe she just couldn't I, take it like you. I don't, I don't know. Now, you might be was, special. So, well, apparently because when we get into the, the labor and delivery room, they're like talking to me and they're like, well, the way you're acting, we're probably going to send you home, but let's see how far along you are. And so the nurse like does her thing that they do um check your lady who yeah right right i got you go ahead and she's like oh you're six centimeters dilated if you want an epidural we need to do it now (laughs) and i was like the baby's waving at me (laughs) (laughs) i was like well yes i do want an epidural so let's do this right so then they got me up into like a room and they got the epidural and from after the epidural i didn't feel anything excellent smith i'm gonna apologize to you for a second arden probably has a compression I apologize. Sorry about that. Her, no, it's okay. Her blood it's sugar okay. was like 82 and super stable. And I was like, this is perfect. She's sleeping. It's a little early here for 
you know, ardent to be awake on this in the summertime. And then you and I started talking and I suddenly got 64 diagonal down. And it's mm. uh, for people who don't wear Dexcom, you might not know, but there's a, there's a turn that it takes when you have a compression low. If you don't understand what a compression low is, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a defining diabetes episode of somewhere about it. And then suddenly it was 54 straight down. I was like, this is a compression low, but I'm not going to be the one to just go. That's a compression low. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> so I rolled, yeah. <laughs> rolled her over and tested and finger stick. She was 80. So anyway. Okay. So when I left you, a nurse was rooting around in your private parts. She decided that it looked like the baby was making his way. And did you get the epidural on time? Yeah. Excellent. Yes. I got the epidural. So that was like 4 a.m. And then after the epidural, we hung out until like I, by like 8 a.m., I still hadn't had the baby. So I like did some work and stuff that I could do from my phone because I was just hanging out. Yeah. And then he made his way into the world and he was born at 1.25 p.m. So you didn't have to go to the hospital. You would have been fine. You could have slept. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have got the epidural. Yeah. So and then you would have been like, <laughs> and then would have been a different story, right? Right. Here would have been the story. That whole child time that child was alive, you would have absolutely resented him. Have <laughs> 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 no idea how much it hurts to have a baby, and I'm never going to forget. Um, okay, so delivery pretty normal. Any extra stuff? Uh, no, it was, it actually, my delivery went really, really well. Okay. My doctor told me not to sp- tell a lot of people about it because they would get the false idea about pregnancy <laughs> and delivery. Arden, Arden was born in like, like the doctor came in and said, let's just check. It's going to be a while. And then he turned around and went, nope, doing it now. And spun around and grabbed gloves, like very, like, you know, like excitedly and he's like it's happening right now right now and he thought it was a way ways off and my wife pushed one time and Arden was oh. there. oh oh so, wow i had yeah. to push i probably pushed for like an hour to two hours oh my god by the time that it was like ready to actually push but like yeah so my my obgyn she like was coming in and like visiting and then she had like a surgery to do or something so she's like maybe let's wait until after my surgery and then i got to the point where she's like oh actually we have to do it before my surgery and then they had me start pushing and the umbilical cord was around his neck a little bit that happened to my son so i had to they had they put me on oxygen Mm -hmm. because when i was pushing it was kind of like tightening the umbilical cord but it wasn't I mean, they didn't make it seem like that big of a deal, so I wasn't too worried about it. I have to respeak. Um, that didn't happen to my son. My son spun in a knot and tied an umbilical uh, a knot in his umbilical cord during the delivery. Oh, whoa! So when he came out, there was a knot in it, and I remember the uh, the um the OB runs the cord and he mm-hmm. hit the knot and kind of showed it to me as if we were contemporaries, and I knew <laughs> and I knew what was going on, which I was like, is that bad? And he holds the baby up and goes, apparently not, and then, <laughs> and then cuts the cord. And I remember thinking I was supposed to cut the cord, and no lie, my son's 20 years old, and until I just said that to you, it didn't ever occur to me that he might not have thought there was time to wait to cut the cord. I'm not oh, sure. Yeah, y- You know yeah. what I mean? So that's interesting. Sorry, you just helped me think of a question no. I have for the world. Um, yeah. <laughs> maybe I should find out about that. Well, I mean, he seems fine and everything. He's so. fine now, so yeah. that's good. <laughs> maybe I should let this go. Uh, so during the two hours of pushing, is there any buyer's remorse? 
No, no, you know, I know the epidural was great. Excellent. I they see. they had to turn down the epidural a little bit because I wasn't able to, like, I couldn't feel anything to push like mm-hmm. adequately. But even when they turned it down, it was just like an intense pressure. Okay. Which for me, it wasn't painful. Um, all the pain came after the epidural wore off. Yeah. And will continue <laughs> to come for quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> What was um, your management of your of your blood sugar like during this time? Uh, it was actually really, I mean, I didn't eat. So that was a big help mm-hmm. because my basils are pretty on point. So I have a nice little straight line for the like almost 12 hours that I was in labor. Okay. Um, and they, I controlled everything myself when I got there. I told them like the, one of the first things I told them was I have a pump and I have a CGN and I'm going to keep it on while I'm in labor and I'm going to handle it myself. If something goes wrong, you guys, I guess can take over because that's what you're supposed to do. But unless it's like dire, I'm going to be controlling it. My husband knows what to do so he can also deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I made that really clear when I got there and they made me fill out a bunch of paperwork and um, until like the baby was born. Once the baby was born, I had a little bit of issues with the nurses and my diabetes. But um, during delivery, it was fine. And I could do everything myself. I had to drink juice a couple of times just because being in labor is like exercise. Right. Oh, um, it's intense. But other, yeah. But other than that, it, it actually, everything went really great. Okay. What were your, um, if we can go back for a second, just to put everybody in line for what we're going to talk about moving forward. How were your A1Cs through your pregnancy? Um, they were between 4.8 and like 5.1 okay. two-ish, I think. And you were eating obviously plenty to sustain and grow the baby and yourself oh, and all that stuff. Yeah, right. I was eating all the carbs. Mm-hmm. All the carbs. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of eating happening. It gets it makes you hungry making a baby. It's uh yeah. did you have any weird cravings during the pregnancy that you remember anymore? Um, no, I, in the beginning of the pregnancy, I got really into spicy food, mm-hmm. like hot sauce on everything. Um, but other than that, nothing Not really. Right. So my next question is then, well, I guess we should say, cause you mentioned it first after the baby, there's some problems with the nursing staff regarding your, what did they want to do? Yeah. Like start the way well, they do everybody. They wanted, so my OB, she's really great. And they like asked her cause they were checking. Oh, they were checking my blood sugar every hour with their machine mm-hmm. during labor, just like for their precautions or whatever. Well, plus they want to charge um, you for it, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then afterwards the nurse asked my OB if they still needed to do that. And she was like, Oh no, she's fine. She can do everything herself. Like mm-hmm. she, it's whatever. And then she left, but she didn't put the order in anywhere. It was never on writing, like okay. leave her alone. So the first couple nurses let me do my thing. They made me write on this piece of paper, like my blood sugars, which I kind of just like wrote in random numbers. I will not hold you responsible. (laughs) Write that a thousand times on this piece of paper. Yeah. And because I knew if they were going to, if they saw any number that they didn't like, they were going to freak out. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just wrote whatever. And then I got a nurse that didn't understand Well, none of the nurses understood diabetes. It was really frightening. Mm -hmm. They were in awe about my pump and my CGM. And I was like, this is kind of 
the <laughs> thing these days for like mo- most fortunate people, I guess. Like acting like they afford it. Like they saw the first gas powered automobile. <laughs> yeah, it was it was frightening that they didn't know anything. Oh, so, so I got a nurse that was really confused, and she decided to go ask another nurse, and that nurse came in like guns blazing Mm -hmm. telling me that I needed to write down every single time I ate every amount of insulin that I gave myself every time I checked my blood sugar if my blood sugar was high or low they need I needed to like call the nurse and tell them and I was like okay well what do you consider low or high blood sugar and she's like well what do you consider it and I was like I'm a crazy person so I'm not going to go off of what I consider low or high blood sugar (laughs) you start telling her Listen, under 65, I'm not comfortable. Let me just get that out of the way. Yeah. Uh, and I don't like my blood sugar to be over about 110. So. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so like, what do you like? If you're going to tell me to do all this stuff, like, what do you want? Yeah. And I was so frustrated. I was like, and my husband, like I had to t- tell him to like settle down because he was getting frustrated. He hates when people try to tell me how to deal with my diabetes. Mm-hmm. So I was just like overwhelmed. And the lady left and then my normal nurse came in and she was like, I'm really sorry. Don't listen to her. Whatever you're doing is fine. And don't worry about it. I'm sorry. And I was like, (laughs) okay. Teamwork. (laughs) So that, that five minute period of time was really frustrating. But other than that, um, they kind of left me alone. I don't know how um, chauvinist this sounds or not. Hopefully it doesn't. But when, Anyone messes with my wife, I immediately feel like I want to go to where it's happening and lay waste to everybody. I don't yeah, even that's understand. That's how my husband yeah, is. Like, I'll just show up there and uh, we'll kill everyone and then you'll be fine again. You, you, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. it's just, what did they say to you? It, it's, and it's not that I don't feel like she can handle herself or it's none of that. You know, it's just, I don't know. There's like a, it's like, like zero a, to a hundred. There's a real touchy mercury switch in my head. And I'm like, who's messing with Kelly? And then it just gets, it, 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 I have to stop myself from being upset and from making her more upset by then me being upset. But I understand how he felt. And it is interesting that you found the one nurse that apparently everyone knew about, except the nurse that went and asked her didn't realize, don't ask her because the other nurse yeah. is just going to say to ignore her later. Yeah, and then another the yeah the nurse was like, I don't know why she asked her. I'm really sorry. (laughs) None of us talk to her. She usually just stands in a broom closet. But but it really does point out the the speed bumps that you very likely are going to run into in a hospital setting, which is why Jenny and I did that pro tip about being in the hospital so that Mm -hmm. people would know how to handle themselves. But you were in a special situation too. You're trying to enjoy the birth of your son. Yeah, I was, it was overwhelming because like in any other situation, I'd be like, no, this is how it's going to be. And like, leave me alone. But I was like, I just had a baby. I'm very emotional. (laughs) Stretch marks. I have stretch marks. (laughs) Are you calling the kid Indiana Jones yet or anything like that? No, my dad calls him Indy sometimes. Nice. Because you named him after Harrison Ford. Yeah, uh, I just want to make sure that everybody hearing this episode was like, I got to go back and listen to those other three. What else did I miss? <laughs> yes, his name is Harrison Wayne, and he is perfect. Of course, Luckily, he's he's so healthy and. Well, I mean, he's named after Indiana Jones and and Batman, right? So Han Solo, what Batman? Well, Wayne, I'm giving him the Batman <laughs> oh, thing too. At the oh, end. oh, oh, oh! <laughs> giving you credit for stuff you didn't even think of. 
Just let it happen. Samantha, just let it happen. These people don't know what I'm saying is true or not. (laughs) Let's weave a tale. Be honest. You you sleep upside down in a closet, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Like a vampire. My baby baby does too. He just started. (laughs) So he's nice and healthy. And that's excellent. He's eating well. And is he sleeping and leaving you alone? Um, for the most part, he sleeps through the night. We co-sleep because I'd rather me sleep than have to deal with a crying baby. Mm. Um, so whenever he gets fussy, I just put him in the bed with us, but he starts out the night in his crib. And then when we go to bed, I move him to his bassinet cause I'm not ready for him to be not next to me yeah. yet. And then around maybe like 4am ish, he starts getting fussy so then I put him in bed with us and then he sleeps until six ish. I mean, on a normal day because okay. I mean, sometimes he doesn't want to sleep at all, Just pops but up. he doesn't eat. He doesn't eat through the night anymore. So, Ooh, wow, that's not bad. Yeah, I, we went the last time we went to the doctor. I was like, so when do babies like sleep through the night? And she's like, well, he could probably do it now. And I was like, oh. And so she told us to try, and we tried it, and apparently he didn't need food in the night. Nice. So, Well, that's excellent. Good for you. Any steps that get you away from that while you're supposed to be sleeping, you're dealing situation is great. I, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you very quickly that when Cole was less than a year old, I used to get up every morning, and we couldn't afford to pay to park our car at the train station that Kelly had to use to go to work. So I would get up incredibly early, five days a week, and drive Kelly to the train station and then drive her back. So I had to get up, prepare a baby for transit while yeah, she was getting ready oh for gosh. work, drive her to this train station, <laughs> drive back. And there were times when I'd get back and be like, I'm ready for the day. And there were times when I'd get back and I'd look at him and go, Cole, we're going back to sleep. So <laughs> one time we got back in bed and I just, I was exhausted, but he wasn't. So I kind of put him in bed with me and like mm-hmm. stuffed him around. Like, you know, like they're pretty immobile, you feel like. So you just like jam some blankets around him and stuff like that. Well, I fall asleep, obviously not sound asleep, but in a twilight, and he rolls off the bed. <gasps> oh okay. no. Don't, don't, don't worry. This has got a good ending. <gasps> so he's rolling. I must notice it halfway. And I swear to you, I'm my body's length with twice from the side of the bed that he's rolling off of. And I flung my arm over my body and snatched him by his onesie as he was going over the side. He literally went down like a yo-yo until the onesie like stretched to its limit. And I yanked him back <laughs> up on the bed and my heart was pounding out of my chest. And he just was laughing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I was like, Oh my God, I almost dropped the baby off the bed. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a big fear of mine. But he can't roll yet, so I'm a little – I'm safe for now. I was just so tired. I couldn't. Yeah. I just couldn't. No. Um, I should I have laid on the floor, but I just, you know, <laughs> like somewhere he couldn't fall from. I almost killed him a couple of times. That was one of them. Uh, once I was – I took him – Kelly was taking a bath with him, and so she stayed in the bath and handed me him, and I had him wrapped in one of those little baby towels that are, you know, mm-hmm. super thin – I've got him like in the corner of my arm and I'm looking through his closet and holding him for uh, looking for an outfit. And he bent his knees, planted his feet in my side and (gasps) And pushed pushed. off backwards like a diver. (laughs) And because he was a little wet in the towel, I couldn't stop him. So this is a hundred million percent true. 
he's falling head first to the floor. And I can't bend over and catch him. It's all happening much too fast. So I sweep his head out from under him, like with a gentle soccer kick. So he lands on his side <laughs> on the carpeting. Oh my God. Saved that kid's life. He was dead. Trust me. I <laughs> then screamed for Kelly, who showed up wet and naked. And because the baby was crying, that was ruined. And, you know, like he's just a <laughs> wasted, wet and naked Kelly. And, and, and so, um, and so he's crying. She looks at me. She goes, what happened? I was like, all right, I dropped him. But, and she was like, ah! <laughs> and he was fine, by the way. I, I, I seriously mean it. But I really and thought, I once really again, think. Once again, he's fine now. 100%. So. That's why these stories are easy to tell. Um, <laughs> and once he fell out of his high chair. But, I mean, I guess you could blame me for that. But, you know. Well, you can blame him. He shouldn't have jumped out. <laughs> have some personal responsibility. <laughs> Oh, I know. Babies are so helpless. They can't do anything themselves. It's just a mess. They're just like, now I have to pee. And it just starts coming out. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, can you just point out, have you been peed on yet or anything like that? Um, yeah. When he was a newborn and we were getting up in the middle of the night and like changing him after he ate, we got pee. Well, not peed on me because the pee usually like went over him. Mm-hmm. So it got on like everything else except for me walls and yeah yeah, my nightstand and everything (laughs) and then also poop when hit like because newborn poop is like like liquidish yeah it's lovely yeah so he decided to poop a couple times without his diaper on and that was fun yeah well even han solo poops i guess um so how has it been taking care of your blood sugar after having the baby versus while you were pregnant, because while you're pregnant, it I'm assuming feels like a real, like really important job, right? Keep, mm-hmm. your, keep your blood sugar stable, keep them low, keep your A1 super A1C super stable. So baby comes out super healthy. That's your goal. How hard is it to keep doing once the baby's not inside anymore? Today, I would love it if you would spend a few minutes learning about touched by type one. All you need to do is go to touchedbytype1.org, and when you get there, you can check out their programs, their activities, what they're doing for people living with type 1 diabetes, how they raise money to use in search of a cure. They have this great dance program. How are they navigating COVID right now? You can see it all. You can also check them out on Instagram and Facebook. They've got what you call a social media presence. You could be part of it. Just like them, follow them, do what you need to do to be part of what's going on at Touched by Type 1. Everyone who uses insulin. No, what? You know what? Hold on. Every, I should say this. Everyone who has diabetes, whether it be type 1 or type 2, needs an accurate, easy to use, easy to understand blood glucose meter. Everyone needs one. That's my opinion. Now, which one are you going to get? That's up to you. But if I was you, I would check very hard. I would look extremely closely. I would take a micro view of the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. This meter deserves your consideration, your strong consideration when you're out there buying a meter. Now, meters are funny things, right? We come to think of them as just this device that the doctor gives us. Doctor says you have diabetes. Here, let me give you a prescription for a meter. Give you a meter. Some doctors hand you one out of a drawer. 
Some doctors are like, I got one of these in the closet. They dig behind some boxes. Is that really where you want to get your blood glucose meter from? The back of a closet? The bottom of a drawer? Just, you know, the one that your doctor uses? Because why? Because the salesperson who comes in the office is really good at sales? Maybe you should end up with a meter that is incredibly accurate, easy to hold, easy to use, easy to see at nighttime, that has test strips that work. And if you should touch them, right, right, with the blood, you touch the test strip on the blood with the Contour X1 and you don't get enough blood, you know, when sometimes the drop doesn't come out enough, you can go back and get it again. It doesn't waste the strip and it doesn't impact the quality of the reading. Contour Next One. This is the meter I have. This is the meter Arden has. I think it's the meter you should have. Check them out at contournext.com forward slash juice box. So you want to go to touchbytype1.org to find out about Touch by Type 1 and then contournext.com forward slash juice box to find out more about the Contour Next 1 blood glucose meter. Actually, I think if you click around a little bit, you might even be able to find out if you're eligible for a free meter. Stop using that old busted janky meter you have. Get a good one. Contour next one. There are links to all of the advertisers in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com. How hard is it to keep doing once the baby's not inside anymore? It's not hard i still kept my pregnancy goals like i didn't change my dexcom alarms at all Mm -hmm. um i still try to keep my blood sugar between 80 and 120 um so it's not difficult i just think that the feelings and the reactions i have are a lot different so if i when i was pregnant if i would go over um like the number that I felt comfortable with, I would have like a mini panic attack and feel like I was hurting my baby. Um, just because everything that happened to us before in, in our first pregnancy, I've just been, I was really like scarred about it and really afraid. So I would have guilt. I would have like fear and I would like half the time I would cry if I got over 140 just because I was so afraid. Um, and now if I go higher than I like, then it's kind of like whatever. <laughs> I I just like deal with it and move on. And I mean, I get frustrated if it if it's like a stubborn high, mm-hmm. and I get annoyed with things if I'm high for a while or if I eat something and I don't bolus correctly for it. So then it messes me up for a couple hours. Okay, but the guilt isn't there and the fear isn't there, and that's like the biggest difference. And it's such a like a weight lifted off of me it's like incredible it's like such a different feeling the first time I went high after having the baby it was just I could tell 100% the difference you're describing I think how a lot of parents feel who are taking care of kids with type one too like when that number mm-hmm. goes up you start feeling like oh my god I'm that's it I'm killing them I, I'm doing it yeah. you know like it's a really um palpable feeling like it's it's not it's not a it's it's not pretend it really strikes you like viscerally like I'm yeah oh and my it's, gosh. it's yeah it's intense and it's hard and now I don't have that and it's great <laughs> are you um I mean I know you're trying to take good care of yourself you're not you're not like 
like, wow, I can't wait to get back to an eight and a half A1C or something. Like you're not doing that. But is it difficult managing the baby and yourself, especially like in those few first few months overnight? I'm wondering where they're. See, your blood sugars are stable though. So my blood sugars were fine. And especially in the beginning, like, because I was breastfeeding in the beginning. Um, and I had always heard that breastfeeding affects your blood sugars. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any of those issues. Like they didn't, because usually like what I hear is that breastfeeding makes your blood sugar go low. And I didn't have that issue luckily. So even overnight, I was fine Okay. Um, when I did have issues because my husband was home too because my Harrison was born like the week before um, we had stay at home orders mm-hmm. at, in California. So my husband was on paternity leave, but even after he was done with his paternity leave, he was working from home. So he was always home. And if I had issues and he was there to help out. Um, but I kind of, I, I didn't really have too many issues. Luckily, the, the, when I ran into issues is when my husband went back to work and was like in the office working and I was alone with the baby because it was hard for me to take care of myself in terms of like feeding myself (laughs) because my husband would always make me food and I would deal with the baby. And then once he was gone, like I was working and dealing with the baby and like, I would kind of just forget to feed myself. I see. So then my blood sugars were fine because I wasn't eating, but like me myself was not healthy and I'm still kind of like figuring out how to balance everything. You have to prioritize things and that is so much easier said than done mm-hmm. because every because diabetes is fluid and taking care of a baby is fluid too like there's yeah. it's hard to put either of those things on a strict schedule but yeah yeah i mean i'm not telling you anything you don't know but you, you have to take care of yourself or that yeah. kid's gonna get raised by your dog just so you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah so diabetes wise everything's been pretty fine i'm getting more frustrated recently with it just because it's exhausting, mm-hmm. um, but it's nothing. I mean, Did you it's have, nothing that nobody else has doesn't have to deal with with diabetes. No, but it, the frustrations for real. Do you did you have um, any postpartum depression? Uh, I did in terms of breastfeeding. Breastfeeding was very hard. In well, that's kind of diabetes related because I couldn't. I had to stop breastfeeding mm-hmm. because the stress the breastfeeding was putting on me, plus dealing with my diabetes was way too much. I like during the day breastfeeding was fine and he did really well, but at night he turned into like a monster that didn't want to breastfeed correctly. (laughs) So I was having a lot of issues and it just got to the point where I was slipping into a depression and I already have issues with anxiety and depression. So like it was getting bad quick and I'm able to always like, I see the cues in myself Mm -hmm. when I'm getting to that point. And so we made the decision for me to stop breastfeeding. Um, And after that, I like turned into a different person. It was like completely different. I started enjoying feeding him again. And it was, it was a lot better. Breastfeeding and diabetes and new baby. It's a lot. Listen, Kelly found it really difficult too. She didn't have diabetes and it was really hard for her. Yeah. Uh, And Cole wasn't great at it. And there were a lot of, a lot of different things happening. Um, and it's funny, she was telling a story the other night that for the first like couple of weeks that that he was 
um, born, she couldn't find like any like connection, like any emotional connection. And then it just hit her all, all at once, she said. But she's, she describes a lot about like what you were talking about just now, too. So, I mean, it's incredibly yeah, common, I, but a lot of people don't have to then take care of their blood sugar on top of it. Yeah. And I just like, I was, I knew if I didn't stop, then I was just going to progressively resent feeding him mm-hmm. more and more. Probably wouldn't be good for him. And yeah. And, and, you, and, and breastfeeding too. Will... Like, I couldn't, I, my husband couldn't help me breastfeed. And it was just, so I was he didn't offer to hold day. a boob or anything like that. <laughs> it was like, I can help as much as this. Sorry, yeah. is this not helpful? By the way, that's not a sexy image. Is it just some guy two-handed holding your boob like a water balloon and trying to like, you know, that's not Help good. the baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, kid. Here's how I do it. <laughs> but after I stopped, everything got a lot better. So Good. I'm glad. Um, so you're figuring out how to prioritize things and you're doing well with your blood sugar. What about the the body part? Like, how is it trying oh to get gosh. yourself back into shape? That was that was the worst. <laughs> is it over? Are you like Farrah Fawcett again? And by the way, I've now said Farrah Fawcett twice in 2020 recording the show. And I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> I must have had that poster. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but but what's that like? Um, well, it's really painful after you have a baby and all the pain meds wear off. And I don't like taking medicine um, just because... I don't want to take, I know the Dexcom, you're able to take some kind of medicine, but I've never had luck. My Dexcom always gets wacky when I take medicine, Mm -hmm. even if it's like whatever the approved medicine is. So I stay away from medicine in general. So it was really painful to go to the bathroom and to move and you're bleeding for like, like two months. Yeah. Nobody tells you about that, huh? (laughs) Yeah. You're bleeding forever. You're wearing a pad. Well, I was wearing diapers because it was, it was actually pretty easy. The diapers made things better, but it was, it was a lot. And now I, my body itself isn't back to pre-pregnancy because I'm still trying to figure out a way to work out when I have a baby that wants to be held all the time. Mm -hmm. But um, like down there is better where the baby came out. <laughs> That's excellent. Uh, I really wish I'm going to have to call this episode. She's having a baby, you know, something else because to keep it, it conformed with the other ones. But I do want to call it, it down there is better where it came out. <laughs> <laughs> um, have, are you back to using it for other uses? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. We, we, we waited I think we waited eight weeks because I was like, that's how long they say people that get C-sections should wait. So we're just going to wait that long. And we tried and it was painful. It was so painful, but we kept trying. (laughs) Now it's fine. (laughs) Well, what did you do? Wait until it looked like your husband was going to like chew a hole through the drywall. And (laughs) he's really snapping about everything. I don't understand. It's, it's, no, no, he was actually being very nice was about he? it. Probably yeah. screaming outside of the house, outside yelling at <laughs> <Yeah>. squirrels. <laughs> yeah, run around with your nuts; it's fine. <laughs> I, I mean, can't do watched, anything with mine. He, he watched the baby come out, so he knew what happened down there. <laughs> he saw it. He knows what went on. No, I know. I saw it too. You can't unsee it. It's an old joke, but it's pretty true. I could draw a picture right now if I had to. <laughs> it's been a long time. Um, no, well, that's obviously you know, just reasonable. And were you, I hate to ask this question, but were you interested in it 
or were you just feeling like that's is what I we was, should do? I was scared. Yeah. I was I was so scared. <laughs> I feel and like so, somebody was gonna stick a remote control in a place where you got shot three months earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was terrified. And now I'm into it, but I was terrified before. Gotcha. Did he take you credit? You have to get over that fear, and then like you, it'll be fun again. I got gotcha. you. That's it'll be fun again. Get over the fear, and it'll be. Fun. I, you know, it's funny. I didn't think of it as being a fearful thing, but I can completely wrap my head around that now that you've said it. So yeah, please. <laughs> the baby is so big, and up until yeah. then, you thought that was oh, so small. <laughs> my gosh, if he would have stayed in there until I got induced, he would have been so much bigger. He was he was eight pounds when he was born, and I feel like he would have just grown. A lot. Come out like three feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any hair when he was born? Yeah, he did. That's one of the things when they checked how far along I was. I was like, does he have hair? And she said, yeah, I feel it. And then when I was giving birth, I don't know if this is too much information. I don't think it's going to yeah. be. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So when I was giving birth and he was like kind of popping out, they're like, do you want to feel his head? And I was like, no, that's gross. What is wrong with you but, people? What do you live but with? Then they, and then they had me do it anyways. It was slimy and gross and I could have done without it. But <laughs> what, what hippie part of California do you live in, by the way? <laughs> I live in Orange County. <laughs> no, that's what happened. They were like, do you want all the experiences that we talk about in the magazines? Like, no, thanks. Just get it out, yeah. please. <laughs> Show him to me clean, if you don't mind, too. <laughs> oh, I, I know. They come out dirty. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a, and, it's a bit of a And then it's a couple hours until they give him, like, a little sponge bath. They let him but, crust oh, up? Oh, and babies. And also the thing, too, is, like, I always wondered if, like, my baby was going to come out and I was going to think he was ugly, like most newborn babies are. Yes. And I was really worried for a second that he was not going to be a cute kid. It was... I think my son's a pretty handsome young man, and my wife describes him at birth as uh, a monkey that looked like his dad. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I think she's just trying to be hurtful to me, but that's fine. He had a lot of hair. Like Cole had hair in places oh, yeah. where it fell off afterwards. Oh, yeah. He has a lot of hair, too. Like he had, I don't know, I don't think he still has hair, but he used to have hair on his shoulders. He has hair on his ears. He was a very hairy baby and he was very brown when he was first born. Like my husband is half Mexican and he like got all of the Mexican genes. And I was like, holy crap, this kid is not going to look like me at all. Oh, wow. That's but, uh, you were just like, oh, fine. It'll just be people will think we adopted. It's no big deal. <laughs> and, uh, hey, any chance since we're going through the whole thing? Did you poop during the during the delivery? No, Good I did for not. you. Way to hold it together. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold on one second. Sam, are you there? Best guess about what just happened is that I got a call on my cell phone and it rang through to my computer. And I think messed everything up. And it, it muted you for reasons I don't understand. But even though you appeared unmuted on the settings, you weren't. And so all I did was mute you and re-unmute you, which was <laughs> stupid. But okay, but it worked, and you're being recorded again. So I'm so sorry. Um, that's never happened before. I got to stop that from happening. Actually, <laughs> I put that on my note right here. Things to do because that is not going to happen again. All right. Um, you were saying pushing was really weird. They kept telling you to push. 
Oh yeah. And I didn't really understand <laughs> how to push. So I like was trying to poop because you asked me if I poop. Mm-hmm. So that's why I got on the subject. And so I was like trying to push that way because I was the only kind of pushing I understood. And I didn't poop. Could they I tell that you were baby. pushing incorrectly at that moment? Yeah. She said that she could see it like, like me like pushing and then like it retracting. So I was like sucking the baby back up. <laughs> Honey, it's it's gonna stay in there forever if we do it like this. So, <laughs> so can you describe what pushing is like? Is it more from like your abdomen or? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. It's like it's like you're pooping, I guess. <laughs> so you've done it. And you can't explain it. Yeah, I don't know. Gotcha. I don't. I don't think I'd be. I think I'd have the same issue if if I ever had to do it again. Are we just lucky the baby's even here? Is what you're saying? That <laughs> yeah. He's not four months old inside your stomach right now, which I don't think technically is possible. But um, so you just said if I ever did it again, have you had that conversation? I don't think we're gonna be. I don't. I don't plan on having another baby. Um, just because of what happened with the first pregnancy and then this pregnancy went so well and how stressful it is to have diabetes and be pregnant mm-hmm. um, and how like wonderful Harrison is. I don't need to like be greedy and have another one. That's it. One's enough. Yeah. And also I don't think like I love him so much and I don't want to have to divide my time. Yeah, that's hard. It really actually is incredibly difficult. And when you're parenting one person and they have different, you know, needs and mm-hmm. personality traits. And then there's another one. So you do one thing for one because that's the thing they need. And then the yeah. other then the other one's like, why do you do that for them? I'm like, well, you don't need that thing. You have other things you need. You, you know, and we do those things for you. And every it's all very it's exhausting. Like it really yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I just want to put all my energy into him. And then he'll grow up, and then my husband and I will still be young when he's older, so then we can go, like, do stuff, you know? Let's see. That's a really nice way to think about it. I am older than you, so what I think is when my children grow up, hopefully one of them can afford to buy an apartment for me. My wife's obviously going to kick me out of here at some point. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, how long is she going to put up with this? It can't be much longer. And then uh, and then I need one of the kids to foot the bill for a while. That's what I uh, – that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> and then you have two chances. If one of them won't do it, hopefully the other one will. No, if one bails, they'll they'll set up a like a fortress around. They'll be like, look, he said no, she said no. I don't <laughs> see why I should break the trend. But you know what? Honestly, one of the things that you find yourself worried about as they get older is, I guess if you like them, <laughs> is that um <laughs> they're going to go somewhere. Like it might be college or to work or you know, anywhere in between those ideas. And they could resettle somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so as you're getting older and you realize your home was great for raising children, but it might not be great for when you're 65, you mm-hmm. think maybe we need to leave this house and go somewhere else or, you know, but yeah. how do we move not knowing where they're going to land? Yeah, that's have, true. And then you have more than one and you start thinking about, well, why don't we, can we wait till they both get somewhere and then just find a center, like a central point between them? You're sti- oh, right. What if they what if they settle in different places? Yeah, See? bastards. They probably thing. will, right? <laughs> Two kids. And then and so how do you like split the difference to be able to still see them? And then there's this small part of you in the back of your head that realizes I don't see my mom that often. 
And I'm probably not going to see these kids as often as I think I'm going to when they get older. And it's, it's, it's very like, it's disheartening. It feels at some point, it feels like you were alive to get them to, I don't know point where they can live their life. Right. But you know, I know. And, and every time like I have to like last, not last night, the night before last night, Harrison was being really fussy and he just didn't want to sleep in his crib. And usually we, he goes to bed at like, eight o'clock and my husband and I stay up until maybe like 10 ish or however long I can make it to hang out and (laughs) watch TV and stuff. And the night before last Harrison, like didn't want to sleep in his crib at all. So I told my husband, I was like, I just need to go to bed with him. Like, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to eat dinner yourself and I'm going to go upstairs. Um, And like I told him, I was like, one day he's not going to need us at all pretty much. So this is only a chapter that they're this needy and I mean, they'll grow up and still need us. But if he needs me to go lay in bed with him and sleep with him so he can sleep, then I'm going to do it. There's this, um, it'll actually happen a little sooner than you think. There's this, um, moment when they're in their, excuse me, I don't know, 13 ish range where they just want to be by themselves a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then they're in the house, but you don't see them. Hold on one second. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's even bizarre. It's a really weird feeling that they're here, but they're not with you. Yeah. And so then it kind of feels like that every step of it is to help you like emotionally distance yourself so that you don't lose your mind when they just go to college. <laughs> yeah. And still, you know, I just cried for like 40 minutes driving home from my son's college when I dropped him off. It was, <laughs> it got embarrassing at one point. And uh, it was, it was completely uncontrollable. I was just like, why did we let him go? This doesn't make any sense. He was okay where he was. You know, I mean, even though I, I felt like I put him in a good place and he was going to have success, which two years later has proven to be true so far, mm-hmm. even during this Corona thing, he's now been home for a block of time. We didn't expect to have him home. And that yeah. really, it's that's even a strange feeling because you look at him, you're like, he's missing out on something that I want him to have, but I'm so happy he's here. It's hard, yeah. it's hard for me to care about it, that he's missing out on it. And that's somewhere in there is, is, a, is a lesson that I really would probably be willing to restrict his growth <laughs> to have him near me, right? That's how strongly I feel about him. Um, so oh, oh, maybe you'll grow up and he'll just be a real dick and you'll just be like, hey, whatever, go to college. I don't care. Yeah. hopefully not but i mean it's 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 possible (laughs) listen i don't think i was terrific when i was a young man (laughs) although (laughs) my mom was all broken up every time i walked out of the house i'll be like oh thank (laughs) god he's gone again um but that's it's very exciting i'm 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 super happy for you built yourself a family and and things are going well do you are you back to work yet um uh yeah i when I only I took the like the six weeks because I work for a small firm. Mm-hmm. It's just me and two attorneys, so I didn't qualify for um, paid family leave through the state, but I qualify for like disability. Okay. So I just did the six weeks, and then um, I went back to work. But I work from home. We were transitioning for to work from home. Um, anyways, we were getting rid of our physical office okay. before the whole pandemic thing, and then the pandemic hit and we kind of just like sped up the process. Gotcha. So I got a little, I'm sharing his 
his bedroom is his bedroom and my office and I work from home. That's nice. There are going to be a lot of people in your situation moving forward who, who never go to a physical job ever again and are just, just let me caution you. Obviously you don't need to be told, but be careful to set like time boundaries or you'll find yourself at eight 30 going, I just want to get one more thing done. Oh yeah. Well my, yeah, I'm sure when, when he gets like when Harrison gets older, then I'll be able to set those time boundaries. But sometimes I have to work weird hours because he doesn't let me work. No, no hours. Yeah, sure. Like I've, I've been really productive and cause he's pretty, he's a pretty chill kid mm-hmm. for the most part. So I've been lucky and I've been able to work to, at my full potential, but I do tend to work sometimes um, broken outside like, of normal work hours yeah. just because I need to get stuff done. I have to tell you, uh, when I started making the podcast and it became popular enough that I absolutely realized like I have to keep recording these and I need to get them out on time. And like, you know, that, that feeling came over me that bothered me at first, that idea of like, uh, get up at seven, you know, take care, you know, get up at six, you know, get Arden off to school, come back, um, take care of the dogs, do this thing, go work for a little while, record a podcast, edit one, then go grocery shopping then come back and put the podcast online and then, you know, pick Arden up from school and then go make dinner. That all, it all felt very kinetic to me at first, like in a bad way, mm-hmm. but I got used to it and I like it now. I don't see my, I don't see my days anymore as um, eight hour chunks. It's just my time is 24 hours and I fit my life in the places it needs to be. Yeah. And it's really nice. Yeah, that's what I do because I'm on salary also. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm always technically able to work. Yeah. Um. So I just kind of if I'm not able to work most of the day because Harrison needs me, then I work after he goes to bed or I work some on the weekends. And I mean, it works for me because I can like I know how to prioritize like when something's important for work and when something's not important for work. Yeah. So I'm not going to be doing non-important things when I could be like hanging out with my husband. I just had to get rid of the idea that like a completionist idea, like I started something, I need to finish it. I needed to be able to say, I've edited three quarters of this and it doesn't <laughs> matter if I finish it an hour from now or in the next 15 minutes. So I'll go do this next thing that needs to be done now. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if everybody could do that and be happy, but I like it. Like it's Yeah, it works for know. me too. Yeah. And I like my job. I I mean, I like it. I like my job less now that I have a child because I really wish that I could just be a mom. Stare at him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I still like my job, so it's good. Well, we'll see what happens when he starts moving around on his own. If I if I oh, don't if I don't hear back from you four months from now and you're like, We tied him to something, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he started moving. But we lashed him. He's okay. He's just, he's not hurt. He's just, you know, connected to the coffee table. It can't go yeah. too far. <laughs> it really is. You're about to have the most wonderful experience of your life. Like, I really think. Yeah. yeah. So. I'm, we're so happy. It's, I love being a mom. It's Congra- great. Congratulations. It's all wonderful. I really, again, want to, you know, begin to wrap up by saying that I really appreciate that you took so much time doing this. I've heard from probably more moms than you've heard from or potential, you know, moms than you've heard from who are all very, we're very excited to hear you talk through this in a, in a calm way. And you were reasonable and, you know, mm. it was, um, 
and I, and I don't mean reasonable like like you weren't like you weren't a crazy lady. I don't need to be slapped with a misogynist label here. I, what I meant was that you were reasonable <laughs> about your expectations. You were not a normal woman. You were calm. You were so calm, unlike <laughs> ladies usually are. You know how they get the vapors and then get excited. Like no, I wasn't talking about that. I just just that you had real reasonable expectations about blood sugars, and even though they probably seemed kind of you know strange in the beginning, like these low numbers, A1Cs and the fours, you know, that kind of stuff um, that you, you were like, I'm going to figure it out and do what I need to do. And, um, you know, it's really amazing. You shared, you know, you shared with me about your, your miscarriage and it was just, you did a really great thing for people by, by recording your experience like this. So that means a lot to me. Thank you. Well, very much. I mean, thank you for asking me to be on the podcast and I just want like people don't know that it's really hard to be pregnant and have diabetes, but it's doable and it's so worth it. So as long as you're willing to put in the effort, like if you have diabetes and you don't want to work hard and deal with what you have to deal with is like, don't do it. But if you're willing to do the work, then it's totally worth it in the end. Put a face to that for me. The work never missing a pre-bolus, not letting a blood sugar stay high, like being diligent. Is that it? Yeah. Just because it's so important, especially in like when you're first pregnant and you're dealing with all the new pregnancy hormones and everything's up and down, you're trying to get a handle on it. Like you can't just ignore it and say, whatever, Mm -hmm. like I can do that now. Like if I'm tired of dealing with something, if my blood sugar is like 150, then I, if I wanted to, I could say whatever. And deal with it later but when you're pregnant you can't do that so it's a lot of you just have to be vigilant yeah and on it but you were still eating like what what we would consider no every yeah like you you weren't (laughs) were there times where you gave yourself boluses that you were like oh my god this is so much insulin yeah at one point i was using 80 percent more insulin than i normally did and i bolused for something it was like a breakfast that i always have and I had to take like 30 units of insulin. <laughs> and I was like, and when I got to that point, I was like, maybe I need to eat something else. But then in my head, I was like, no, don't limit yourself. Diabetes doesn't get to decide that for you. <laughs> We're having six pieces of toast, damn it. This is what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. I have a very aggressive carb ratio, so it wasn't even that crazy. <laughs> right. Arden's is too. What is yours? One to what? Uh. When I was first diagnosed through pregnancy, it was one to four. Mm-hmm. Now it's like one to five, one to six. Yeah. That's, um, it's interesting. Arden's is like one to four and a half now. Mm-hmm. And she's a friend who's her age, who's, uh, like one to five. And they're, you know, they're young girls. They're in terrific, like, like physical condition. They're not, you know, they're, they're not crazy eaters or anything like that. It's, it's nothing, yeah. it's nothing like, wow, we need so much insulin because they're eating, you know, a pop tart with a Twinkie on top of it. It's not like that. And, oh, yeah. and they still, th- their ratios are really interesting. Um, yeah. I, I'm really like, even if I'm not eating any carbs, just like the active eating, like the protein and mm-hmm. the fat, like I have to take insulin for everything. Yeah. You know, Arden had a protein rise last night that was pretty drastic from chicken and avocado that was in a salad. Mm-hmm. And even my wife was like, I felt like I covered all this. And it's still like, it really jumped up on her. So, but yeah. then, you know, right back on it. Did you cause a lot of lows by being aggressive while you were pregnant that you had to stop no. with food? No. Um, 
I mean, I had some low, I mean, I, my alarms go off at 80. So I catch my lows before they actually become low. Mm -hmm. And, but even then I don't think I didn't really have any issues where I was giving too much insulin. Cause that was one of the things like my, the nurse at my OB office decided that she knew everything about diabetes. Um, and she told me that I was giving myself too much insulin. And I was like, I, I don't understand what you mean by that because my blood sugars are in between 80 and 120 90% of the time. Right. So like, how can I be giving myself too much insulin just because I have tight control? You decided that I'm using too much. Like what is your body use lady? Yeah, or, or, or are your numbers just different than like the last person with type one diabetes she knew? Yeah. Right. And like, cause she was like the diabetes person in that office. So obviously she didn't experience people like me, I guess. I don't know. So I did, I never had issues with lows and like enough to where I was like, maybe I need to let back a little bit. Yeah. No, I was just trying to paint a picture for people that you weren't like that. There's a way to manage this and not, Yeah. you know, there's in the end, right. There was an amount of insulin that your body required and you gave it to it at the right times. Yeah. And yeah. if, if I wasn't diabetic, then I wouldn't know how much insulin I was needing. So I think it's stupid when people get judged on how much insulin they're using. It, it would be super interesting to watch uh, a pregnant person who doesn't have type one wear a glucose monitor during pregnancy. I'd be interested to see that. Like it, like, yeah, I, I don't know um, that I don't have time to set that off. I'd have to get somebody <laughs> pregnant and then get a blood. <laughs> I just, I'm really I'm too tired. And I don't think my wife would appreciate it to be honest. Like, I'm doing it for the podcast. She'd it's like, for work. <laughs> You're making a family with another lady for the podcast. Well, like, don't you want to see your blood sugars when she's pregnant? <laughs> Come on, it's for the podcast. <laughs> Honestly, I don't want to um ever have any more children. So I don't that would be a bad idea. You know what? That's untrue. I have to tell you. If I could go back in time and be younger, I'd have more children. I just yeah. at my age, I I I can't imagine. I honestly can't imagine being 69 years old at my kid's graduation from high school. I just, I, I know how I feel now and I don't know what I'm going to feel like in 20 years, but I don't think it's going to be like chipper, you know, and, and just excited. Chipper. You wouldn't even go to the graduation. Yeah. I, I Can you imagine like me calling my children and saying, hey, I can't come to your kid's fifth birthday party because Billy's graduating from high school this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, yeah. Thanks a lot, buddy. It, it, it is very interesting. You're going to find this line where you have to, and it's going to sound easy to understand. And like, oh, yeah, I know. I read this in a magazine. But it really happens. Um, you have to continue to be a parent even when they don't want you to be. And there's a pressure point where you can do it right without pushing them away. Um, mm. It's just very – there'll be interesting times where they feel so independent inside that any kind of – help feels like i don't need this like i can do it myself but just keep in mind their brains are mushy and that they really don't understand much <laughs> of what's happening to them um that that a, a lot of their a lot of his bravado is going to be false it's going to be from something he read on whatever twitter is 10 years from now whatever new yeah oh my gosh social media i know it's so it's so crazy just like thinking of him like older and like walking and then like an adult it's going to be it's weird yeah I completely agree. 
Well, I really appreciate this. I want to ask you some about something that I don't want to be on the podcast. So I'm going to say goodbye <laughs> to you. And then I'm going to ask you to hold on for one second. Okay. Again, thank you so much. Oh, my God. Just have the greatest life. Thank you. I just cannot properly convey how grateful I am to Samantha for spending so much time and effort and consideration on making what I think is a, a wonderful diary of what it's like to be pregnant with type 1 diabetes. She's just been very brave throughout the entire thing, super honest, and um, I think the podcast is better for her time spent here. So thank you very much, Samantha, and of course to your husband and your new baby, Harrison. We all wish you just the greatest life. Thanks to Touch by Type 1 and Contour Next One for their sponsorship. You can go to touchedbytype1.org to find out more about my favorite diabetes charity. And contournext.com forward slash juice box to take a good hard look at the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. When you support the sponsors, you support the podcast. When you support the podcast, you get more free stuff like juiceboxdocs.com and diabetesprotip.com. So all of the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes are right there at diabetesprotip.com. If you don't want to pick through your podcast player or if you're trying to share it with a friend or someone you met online and you just it's hard to, you know, go into the podcast app, go back to episode 210. If you don't want to do all that, diabetesprotip.com and Juicebox Docs is just growing every day. As a matter of fact, no lie, hand to God, as they say, I have two entries right here in my email to add. A doctor in Indianapolis, Indiana is going to get added today, and a doctor in Zurich, Switzerland is being added today. So what we've got at juiceboxdocs.com is an ever-growing list of fantastic medical support for people living with type 1 diabetes. And every entry at juiceboxdocs.com comes from you, the listeners of the podcast. Check it out. This is sort of a background thing, but you know, I just made the statement, when you support the sponsors, you support the show. There are a lot of costs that are involved with running a podcast and a blog and everything, stuff you don't know about and you don't have to be concerned about. It. Things you would never know about. Um, I had to pay someone recently to... Um, just move my, my, you know, what am I, I don't even know how to explain it. I'm so not good at it that I had to obviously hire someone to do something. And the long and the short of it is, is that when I started my blog, it was at ardensday.com. But Juicebox Podcast has, you know, eclipsed Arden's Day. So we were using redirect links. Like if you typed in juiceboxpodcast.com, it went through a redirect and then it went to a sub page on Arden's Day. And anyway, it's just, confusing and it's not good so i had to migrate my god 2007 17 13 years of a blog needed to be migrated to a different url so now when you type in juiceboxpodcast.com try it it goes right to juiceboxpodcast.com but it used to go to ardensday.com forward slash blah 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 like it was kind of a mess and i did not know how to fix that but somebody did and that somebody you know, is really smart and talented and needed uh, to be compensated for their work. And no lie, because you visit the sponsors, I was able to pay that person to do that little back-end thing that might not seem like a big deal to you, but trust me, it's going to make everything much better for everyone. So thank you for supporting the sponsors. All of them. Any of them. 
whichever ones are like striking your fancy, check them out. If you just want to check the link out and look around, that's cool. Share it with somebody else. Really helpful. And since I'm on my little soapbox here about what's helpful, don't forget to share the show with someone else. That's the biggest thing. Seriously. If you're enjoying the juice box podcast, share it with someone else who you think may enjoy it too. If it's helped you, maybe it'll help someone else. I really appreciate it when that happens. It's the only way the podcast can grow. And it is growing by leaps and bounds. Oh my gosh. It just really is. I've babbled on enough. This is the end.